And welcome to another episode of the Sartorian Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Coming back one more time. And let's jump into the download for a game that I have been eagerly awaiting. And for some reason, I don't understand why the gaming press continues to hate on it. And that game is none other than Exo Primal. It's an action game from Capcom. And Exo Primal is a third-person shooter developed and published by Capcom. It is a multiplayer action game in which the player must fight against hordes of dinosaurs and mutated prehistoric creatures. In the game, the player assumes control of an exo fighter who must complete a series of combat challenges set by a sinister artificial intelligence named Leviathan in order to uncover a way to destroy it. Now, this is a game that's dropping on Game Pass this week is on PlayStation as well, but it's on Game Pass. So I'm definitely checking it out. And I played the beta, actually the first two betas, and I enjoyed it. And it's a game with a simple presence or presence uh, not presence uh premise i uh, can't talk today and it's one that you get a cool mech suit there are different mech suits with different abilities you squad up you fight off hordes of dinosaurs from one level uh i guess one section to the next and i'm really looking forward to see how this story plays out especially with this killer ai that's just creating temporal anomalies to drop dinosaurs in the middle of tokyo wherever you are uh, i like the gameplay i like the gunplay and it's mech suits versus dinosaurs what is not to love i don't understand why people have been hating on the premise in this game before it's come out but i am looking forward to playing it when it drops uh this week on game pass now let's take a look at the tutorial slice now we talked about the Louis Vuitton summer, spring, summer show, uh, men's show a couple weeks ago, about two episodes ago, which was curated by Pharrell. This week, we're talking about the Dior men's summer 2024 uh, show that happened uh, this time about a month ago or so. And I sat down, I watched it. I wasn't impressed. Let me tell you what I like first. What I like was just the overall presentation the floor was very futuristic space age the models came up from the floor and as they walked they went back to the individual squares and descended back into the floor after um everything was said and done i really enjoyed it i thought that was really cool and i just thought damn that was expensive um two i did like some of the more traditional suits uh the overcoats as well when they were in a basic color like the tan or navy while they were really flowing they had a very regal look to them in my opinion i really liked those but overall i did not care for the collection whatsoever much of the collection reminded me of something your grandma would wear they like they went to their grandma's closet and took inspiration they took inspiration uh, with the patterns of the knit and the wool, it was a lot of shagginess. Uh, even a lot of shirts, the V-necks, they reminded me more of blouses than actual shirts to compliment the gentleman. It was just not something that I enjoyed as far as the, the fashion aspect of it. And then there was so much bedazzling rhinestones, flowers um, amongst a, a lot of the shirts and jackets. It just... It seemed very gaudy. I know this is fashion, but there, in my opinion, always has to be a functionality when it comes to fashion. And for my, in my opinion, the Dior Summer 24 collection for the guys just doesn't hit it. It it reminds me again of, hey, I'm getting inspiration from all of those hideous uh, shawls and sweaters. Uh, that my grandma used to own uh, again with the patterns with the designs with the, the textures and the materials just watching on the video it just it was not something that I thought was pleasant I didn't think it pushed fashion at all nor did it push men's style it was pushed it more toward or bleeding more toward that ambiguity I wouldn't say it was feminine leaning because I didn't get feminine, but it was feminine inspired because there's a lot of patterns, textures and even structure of clothing that was very reminiscent of women's wear more so than men's wear. 
So that's my take on the Dior men's summer collection for 2024. Speaking of style and fashion, next up we have an interview with someone who I have been able to develop a long-lasting camaraderie with over the internet. He is probably one of the first people that I actually like started talking to and learning from on the net when it came to style and sort of perspective for for men going forward. And this is so many years ago when I first got on Twitter and WordPress, and that is none other than uh, Mr. Christopher Crosley. I have learned a lot from him and been able to really just uh, have him in my inner circle as far as style is concerned on the web. So it was a great pleasure sitting down to get the chance to talk to him and then pick his brain a little bit more and to also learn about him more as well. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mr. Christopher Crosley. What's going on, everybody? It is Webster Style here, the man, the voice, the fragrance here with my brother, Christopher Crosley. Oh, man, Chris, it's, it's weird because I really met you when I started this just about way back in 2009. So it's, it's great to have you on talk with you since we've been literally corresponding for over a decade now. Oh, my, exactly. It's really amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think it was, was it on Tumblr? Back in the uh, it might have been Tumblr yeah. or um, might have been through WordPress. I think I'm. I think I found yeah. it through somebody else. Yeah, um, who used too. to have a, a blog that's not active anymore. But yeah, it's and it's it is a, a crazy, funny thing. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. Wow. But one of the things I've, I've always loved about you, you are there are many men on the web, but especially back then, one of the reasons why I started Webster Style was that i didn't see a lot of us in things like gq details things of that nature back then and anything that really highlighted style when it came to men of color particularly black men but men of color in general really was just like king magazine all those things that were more of street urban style and that was never me and i i really saw the platform to really personify that aspect of myself within brothers that are like me. And that led me to contacting, interacting and network with other brothers like yourself. So I've, I've always uh, admired you and what you've been doing and, and your style. So I wanted to ask you this, and this is something I've always found. Um, well, first of all, introduce yourself to the audience. Let's just get into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's a pleasure, man. It's indeed a pleasure. Like I said, we've been chopping it up for so many years. Right. So I, I felt really good when you asked me to come on and, and talk with you and the people. It felt good. So most people know me here as a general coach in Trent Tobago. I actually work with men of substance. I help them refine uh, themselves and help them understand how to show up more in their professional and social um, social circles uh some people call me the luxury curator because i actually also had a career or have a career i should say in the luxury industry as well so you'll find i'm a kind of a what do you call that a multi-potentialite where i like certain things but they all tend to gel together because for me once you're a man of taste and of substance and you're authentic then you would actually like items of a certain caliber as well right yeah that's good so let me ask you this question and this is something I find amazing. Um, it's particularly because how my own style journey is, has gone over the past few years, particularly. Where does your style come from? Like, what have your influences been, been now and growing up? Well, growing up and now it'll be like, it's like black and white, two different phases completely. <laughs> because I grew up a DJ. So you'll find a lot of my style back then was influenced by hip hop. So I was all into the baggy jeans, the triple XL t-shirts, you know, the, the, the cargo pants with the big pockets, everything. I was the Tim's sneakers. I was doing that. But it's only when I moved into my professional career, when I finished school and I got into certain circles, I realized that people like to do business with people that dress as well as or better than them. And I saw the way or the interactions and the responses I got from people on the days I dress casually compared to the days that I dressed more formal or more business-like. And the people that would have influenced my style over the years is James Bond, one. And then if you look at guys like um, Hannibal Lecter, the gentleman, people tend to look at the, 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 the psycho side of him. 
But there's also the gentleman side of him that dresses right. very well. If you look at the last series with Matt Mickelson, his attire yes, yes. is immaculate, right? So you'll find that those guys more or less shaped my my wardrobe. But in my wardrobe, no, most of it is actually quite formal, quite standard. I stay with, you know, the, the staple colors, the navies, the grays. I have the one or two pieces for events. But you'll find that I, I tend to like that, that formal look. If you want to compare me to... Uh, um, a character, a comic character, I would be Bruce Wayne because that was my nickname at that point in time too. And Bruce Wayne is the, the, the gentleman as well, even though he's a playboy and all that, he's always well-dressed. You know, so that those figures is where you will see I got a lot of my influences from. Understood. Those are good influences to have, especially the Hannibal series. It, it's, I haven't watched all of it, but I've gotten into some of it and just Maz Mickelson's portrayal of that character. Yes. It's, it's from a, a style perspective, it is is a standout, but even from an acting perspective, to take a character that we are we ha- we're so synonymously uh put to Anthony Hopkins and really to come in and redefine a character and make the character your own is yes. is really something special and then the obviously the style aspect of it really Ooh. helped to cement him as hannibal lecter at least of a certain era correct it did and the things that he liked to do um the places he's like i tell people focus on the man that is well traveled well dressed well educated yes he has that other side of him but those three other characteristics man he took that and owned it yes yeah. Now you talk about fellas, and let's. I want to ask you about the fellas because I, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that that's so cool. I I love that concept and, and listening to the podcast and everything. I, I really enjoyed it. Tell me how the fellas came about. Right. So the fellas came about the the person that actually produced the show. There's a good friend of mine that I grew up with as well, and there was something that we saw. And I know it's universal. It's not just here alone where I live. Men have issues defining what masculinity is. It's very challenged now. A lot of things are emasculated. To navigate the world right now as a man seems a bit harder for most. And we wanted to find ways to help men open up and have the discussions about the challenges they're having, whether it's in their professional lives, relationship, finances especially, because we know no man is happy when his finances are not in order. So we looked at all the things that were affecting men and said, you know what, let's get a group of guys together that we know can speak on it, you know, and they will. The person brought me in from the gentleman perspective. They called me Mr. Classy on the show. And then we had another guy, Dellison. He's actually um, a psychologist. He is trained in behavioral science. And then we had Gart, what we call Mr. G. He's actually, he actually lives in L.A. And he came from the perspective of... He is a leadership coach. So we were able to take the different elements from each of our specialties and bring it together to form the fellas. And lo and behold, a lot of people, they call us the PSG talk shows. (laughs) It's like, yo, this is not no simple conversation. This is straight, no chaser, no fluff, only filler, heavy, deep conversations. And it's usually conversations that people try to step over but is actually needed more today for men especially and that's one of the things that i really liked about it now you know we we all know the internet youtube spaces have really seen a proliferation of male-oriented content particularly in the past i would say really pandemic yeah really there ended up being an explosion and a lot of the more high profile purveyors of that I would say a lot of times, well, most of the times, I would say the conversations aren't as constructive as they think it is, because a lot of that conversation on manhood masculinity really gets reduced down to tropes, in my opinion, as well as very centered around interaction with women. And I, I think that this is, some people don't like this, but I I say people uh, tend to be uh, very ignorant of someone's full body of work. Uh, This is one of the things where when you look at someone like a Kevin Samuels and you look at Mm. everything that he talked about, he 
touched upon a lot of he was a bit harsher uh than a general conversation but he was drastically different in a lot of things he said as far as manhood masculinity mm -hmm. why he played on some of those tropes there was a lot more in-depth conversation as well after you get past the women calling in and, and all those things that really blew him up there was a yeah. lot more substance to what he talked about as far as men men's empowerment power and men's growth and i felt like with that whole bubble that man is for that red pill stuff yeah um, while some of it some conversations are needed it really just got distilled down into this whether you perceive it this way or not a sort of hyper masculine persona and with that that turned a lot of people off and yeah. you missed the real conversation that was one of the things i liked about the fellas it was real men having real conversations about what it is to be a man because that is something that is you know i'll say is i'm 44 years old i could not and i'm still trying to figure out what that is <laughs> you know because we change and we grow right. every single day i couldn't imagine what it would be like to be a 22 year old in this day and age Yo. trying to figure that out in the world we live in having these conversations or trying to have these conversations uh so that's one of the things i really appreciated with the fellas and listening to those conversations because because they were realistic they they were real they were honest and and to the heart and no one sugarcoat any of their positions no and, and nobody was capping as they say no. to you know get get an audience it's just it was just pretty much bunch of guys talking about real issues from their perspectives and i appreciate that yeah thank you thank you and a lot of funny enough the, the, the majority of our viewers and listeners were women right that usually happens but what we liked is that the women went and told all the men yo y'all need to listen to these guys because this is the stuff that nobody wants to tackle and right. it needs to be said because we always mention that we need to work which it is easy to work with children and fix broken men i think there's a quote somewhere that says that but also for me is if we leave certain things unattended as much as we're trying to fix the younger generation the examples come from the older guys so we do need to address that as well we can't leave them by themselves so we have to address the men or that will be the examples regardless of how we try to stay young men they need examples and that comes from the older generation it's it's interesting that you say that and even in my personal life uh, just from the web and interacting i've networked with a lot of younger brothers and then we have became friends acquaintances but a lot of questions are asked like hey what is this like what is your perspective on this and you know it's interesting myself being in that sort of mentor older position you know living my experiences and really say hey okay this is this this is how it was then you know this is this is my perspective and it's for me to be able to really share those things and to be honest um is refreshing but also the gratitude as well because many are like just thank you thank you for being honest thank you for you know because you know some things when you're being honest about somebody it's hard to reveal certain things about your life. It's hard to right. really reveal your perspectives and reveal your pain and trauma as well. And when you realize this will help someone, it you do it. And just the fact that so many are, are just grateful, say, hey, thank you very much for your perspective. It 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 really helped me out a lot. That, you know, that mentorship aspect of being an older brother, you know, that does me a world of good and it does them a world of good as well. So I totally understand that perspective. I think that's why it's so important that many of us tell our story. Let's let's be our authentic selves. And just just in touching that, like usually the adage where somebody asks you how your day is going, you'll be like, Yeah, we're fine, I'm good, no problem. But the truth is you're really struggling. But you don't ever mention that you're struggling or going through something. I think when people, especially men, when we don't tell our authentic truths, we miss out on actually getting the assistance we need. Because we try to play off cool, we try to play that we're good, and the truth is, yo, I actually need help, but I don't know how to express that I need help. You know, so even those examples and the things with like what we did on the fellas was to let guys know it's okay to ask for help if you really need it. Ask. It doesn't make sense to stay by yourself, wallowing and stressing and worrying and 
you're close to imploding and exploding. We want to get past that. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part of, of it, but also the best part about hearing that from other men, because as I'm sure you know, we, especially our generation, we are very much, we're very much taught, you don't need no help. Men, don't need no men help. Don't help. Men don't cry. Suck it up. Be tough. Suck it up. <laughs> you know, don't yep. be sissy. All like we heard all of those things. So to get to a point where you know, in our thirties, forties, forties, yeah. You know, we've we've experienced trauma. We've experienced you know, not just heartbreak, but we we've lived. We experienced, experienced so much. Yeah. yeah, and we've literally had to hold that in for the benefit of everybody else. It, that does wear on you and it it's does. good that we are at a point now we can say hey i need help i need a shoulder to lean on i mean the song is called lean on me for a reason correct you know correct. And i wasn't just talking about the women it wasn't it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't. And I, so. I tell people look at the examples sometimes of what women do women have their support system yes. together yes i admire that i like i see women put all the call for a meeting, a meetup, they're doing whatever, and women show up. They do. We do the same thing for men, and it's crickets. Unless it's an event that's interactive, probably sports-based or something, to get men in the room together to talk has been, right. uh, uh, it's been hard. But I said, but look at women. Women have it together. They show up for each other. Yes, we might look at who might be envy and the jealousy and the little cat fight and all again. It don't matter. They still show up. Let them. They will show up the cat fight. They're still showing up. Right. Men, exactly. No. You have to beg them to, to attend. Unless, yeah. unless it pertains back to how they can relate or interact with women. So as long as we have women at the event, men will show up. If it's an all men's thing, like we have to beg. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, and it's funny, you make that point and one of the things that I tell people that I think was one of the best decisions in my life is that I ended up going to an all boys high school. Uh, that wasn't my first choice, but that was my mom wanted. Right. So I ended up going best decision of my life. It, it it gave me a perspective on being without women and having mm -hmm. women in the picture that I would never have understood if I had gone to the high school I wanted to go to. Um, and it's, so I think that that perspective has really informed me and given me a different viewpoint than I would have. So I say that to say, I totally agree and understand with, with what you're saying, because I, I've lived that life at some point in time with, without that constant female interaction. So I see the differences when women are there versus when they aren't and how, when, we don't even realize we're doing it. We don't really realize we have that interaction because for most of us, that's always present or they are always present. Their mm -hmm. influence is always present or the motivation to be around them, near them, to whatever, is always present. And we, as men, don't even realize that's how we're operating. operating. And only when we are taken out of that situation do we even realize that? And I would have never realized that unless I was in that situation for four years. And that is really one of those things that has um, impacted my life in, in a very positive way. I'm very, I'm very grateful to my mother for pushing me to do that because it, it, it was definitely something that made me more of a man and more into the man I am today than maybe other choices in my life. Correct. Because you know why as well? The, the thing is now when you do have to interact with women, because I went to our boys' school as well. And there, there were girls, but they were like in the top, what we would call sixth form. They mm -hmm. were the 16, 17-year-olds doing A-levels. And when you come to speak with them, you have a different energy. Yes. The energy changes immediately. And even from that age, you realize that there's some finesse that, <laughs> that comes into play. You know? So it's, it's always interesting to me to see the nuances when it comes to communication and how we interact with women, even from those days to now, and a lot of men still say, you know, they don't know how to inter interact or engage or communicate with women. And I'm like, you, you're old? You're not 16. And even at 16, I knew you understood because you knew what you wanted then. Yes. You know, so. 
that that conversation well i'll say this much that's a whole lot of factors in that regard especially <laughs> the young generation because they they did not grow up like us as far as technology and communication is concerned so that's that's a whole another conversation unto itself <laughs> realistically if the lack of the art of communication with those yes. guys right now so yeah. i don't even know what to say well i would say honestly that it goes both ways in that regard there yes it does that's a lack of communication overall not this lack of it how to communicate how to communicate effectively because everything is so digital and i see i see that in general with how like when i've talked to um individuals i'm talking to a gentleman from from my old college a few weeks ago uh, last week um he put me on well he was put on to me as someone who has some experience so i was there so i was talking to him and just talking about his experiences and talking with him about um communication how to reach out to people and i was just like yeah it's a bit different when i was there <laughs> as far as how you communicate how, how you get people together it's like we we yeah. didn't have certain technologies uh so in that regard i said it's, it's a bit different yeah. um then when 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 i did it because he thought he funny he thought he's like oh so what, when you graduate like 2010 i said no i no i was there my freshman was 96 <laughs> to 2000 he's like he's like what i was like yeah it's like oh what N- nope I, it was yeah it's been a while it's been a long while <laughs> so, yeah so that communication thing, that's a, but like I said, that's a, a whole nother topic. But one of the ways that we communicate is through the written word. And yeah. I wanted to ask you, you know, you have your free ebook, Connoisseur Notes. How did you come up with, with that idea to do that? Right. So Connoisseur Notes actually started off as my way of journaling every day. I was getting into the practice of journaling back then. And I realized a lot of the time I was speaking to myself. I always say journaling is when you get to experience yourself on paper. Because we will have the thoughts and when we put it on paper and get to read it back to ourselves, sometimes you're like, wait a minute, did I write that? Or you realize where your thoughts are. So you get to experience yourself on paper. And I went through an entire series, an entire year, just writing these notes. And I said, you know what, I want to share this with with men, share it online, share it on any platform, and I started doing that. And then um, when I got into doing, when I started Modern Connoisseur, and I was packaging everything, I was like, look, I actually have a little ebook here if I took all that I journaled so far and put it together. So that's how that came about. But it really started with me journaling and deciding, you know what, this is me experiencing myself, and I want to share it. Awesome. Yeah, I... I well, obviously you put it out a while ago, and I, and I read yeah. it. And I was thinking, like, where, did, like, where did the inspiration for that come from? And, and again, ladies and gentlemen, it's free, so free. you know, it's free. Make sure you download and read. It's a good, it's a good read, a very, very good read. Now we, we're talking about you know being a gentleman, and, and one of the things, and you know, you know my content, mm-hmm. fragrances, man, fragrances, Fragrance. fragrances. Like, what, what's your signature scent? Oh man. All right. Well, it, it has changed. I'll give you that. Um, for a while, I used to go to uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier Le Mille. Mm-hmm. I used to go to that a lot. Um, after that, I got into... There was a gift I got at the time. was David Hattelhoff. Um, it's Cool Water, I believe was the name. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? I, yeah, yeah. Right? That was, that was a great fragrance as well. And then I moved from that to Blue de Chanel, and I stuck with that for a while as well. But that would have been from the years, I want to say probably 2000 to probably 2009, 2010. And then now, um, I'm, I actually rock with uh, not an independent brand, but they're one of those brands out of Portugal. They're like one of the highest selling brands right now. They only do perfume. They don't do eau de toilettes. They don't do eau de cologne. They only do perfume. There's a brand called Federico Mohora. They okay. have um, a luxury fragrance called Utique. Buddy, <laughs> all I can tell you, 
you know, when, when you wear it, you're going to become dangerous. All right. <laughs> us, us as married men, you know. I was about to say, the wife lets you out the house wearing it. Dude. <laughs> she, we would go somewhere and people would comment and she just looks at me. And she's like, okay, sir. I talked to you. Okay. <laughs> Like, but, you were warned before we left. <laughs> like, wear that at home. Why are you wearing it out? Dude. And it's interesting though, that there are a few people that know it. So when they actually come across, you said that like, you're wearing Federico Mohorses. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, damn. People know these sets that well. It's, it's a dude. Like I said, you become dangerous. When you put on that unique fragrance, they have a they have a line, but they color coded it. So it's like ruby, black, amber, and there's another one. It's a blue shade, but I can't remember the name of that one right now. And they all smell great, bro. They all smell great. I know people run down the the Sauvage and 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 all these other designer brands, but um, that Federico Mohora unique brand that line it is dangerous. The only fragrance I want to get my hand on right now is the Givenchy Gentleman. Okay. I, I know there's two models. There's the older one, and then there's the, the modern the modern mix that they have now. But I want to get the older one first because I think that one is the better one. And we'll see how it how it wears. I haven't got my hand on that yet. Understood. Yeah, I haven't experienced those yet. It's, it's interesting. I'm getting... I still have samples like from Sin Explorer from two years ago. I'm still running through, and then I've wow. got a couple, a couple of samples because it. And I don't know if, if you do this as well. There are like certain fragrances you just always grab, so you got to stop yourself from wearing them all the time. Like anything's a horror if I have to stop from wearing it. Um, the Darius, the two that I have from him, especially with the spring, I, I like Wano's. Uh, then uh, really, all of my black owned brands, I, I just. I want to pull them out and wear them because I like them. Okay. Some of them are like 25 ml, so I really got to be, be cautious. But most cautious. of them are potent anyway, so I don't have to spray right. a lot as it is. Um, so, yeah, there are a few, and I'm looking at all of these bottles over here to my right. It's like, <laughs> like there are some that I have to not make myself touch, but I'm like, oh, let me wear this one because I haven't worn this in a while. So I, I totally uh, get that you know, like moving through real signatures. Cause really for me, it just comes down to, it'll always come down to the half signature home. And then it'll come down to Oxford blue from English laundry. And that's, um, that's, I would say it's very similar to Versace arrows. It has, right. um, I would say it's a bit more sophisticated. It's like one or two extra notes in there. And, and from actually getting Versace arrows afterwards, I would say, uh, Oxford blue is a, has a bit more spice to it and last a bit longer at least on on my skin so i always am going back to those because for me those work in any weather so if i just need right. to whatever but i recently got a sample of a black orchid from tom ford and i'm like Ooh. i might it look i've only worn it once i i wore it once and i thought i might have to save it for a bottle this is some good stuff this is and i and i've I don't remember smelling that one on this, like in the sample and altar. I smell some right. of the other ones, like, oh, these are nice, these are nice. But this one, I'm like, this is, this, it was not what I was expecting whatsoever. Uh, yeah, was, I actually sampled that one here and in the mall here, and I was like, damn. Yeah. I was like, it's sophisticated, <laughs> it's heavy, and it's light at the same time. It's like, it's not overpowering, but the mm -hmm. fragrance is just, it has a great sillage. It's not a, like, you think of a floral. You think of all flower, you know, it's a, a really nice, dark floral. I was like, man, this is nice. I see, like, when you smell fragrances like that, that always hyped and people talk about, you're like, much like, I understand Sauvage. I understand why people like Sauvage. I understand why it is uh, so mainstream and so well-loved because it smells great, it lasts long, and it gets attention. I yes, get it. Yes. However when you see something's overhyped or so hyped you're like oh it can't be that good it can't be that good no black orchid is that good yeah i was, I was surprised i was like oh, i'm gonna have to hold on this sample for a minute because i would really just want to spray it maybe not every day but quite often because it's it's a it's a really nice fragrance yeah I've, I've been trying to get into some of the new um arabian fragrances i've been seeing coming around as well but if you think of fragrance just it's the same way you would have thought of your dress code 
even probably the music you listen to, the time period, your age group, the things you were into then, your fragrance tend to match. Because you see my like JPG back then, that was like, all right, I'm out every Friday, every right. weekend, I'm in the clubs. It's either that or you had a bottle of Paco Rabanne in those days, you know. And it, it, it matured over time. You know, so you, you find that just like, like I said, music, you can see the vinyl behind me still, right? right? Music, your attire, it grows with you and your fragrance, I think, does the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I, like, I haven't been in for that long because I could tell people, like, I could have court cared less what I wore in high school and college. <laughs> like, I really didn't even wear fragrances back then. Like, I could tell you, like, yes. I had a, a curve and then my mom sold Mary Kay one point in time, so I had, like, some Mary mm. Kay cologne. Like, I could care less, but now I definitely understand that because even like my moods, but not just that, like what I really like, like I like my signatures, but I say in the past couple months, I've really been getting into oud and really liking oud, oud heavy yeah. fragrances and that, and that woodiness and that, like I picked up um, oud intense, uh, you talk about you know, from Latafa off of Amazon right. a couple months or so ago, and that was just um, so nice, so, so wonderful and so yeah it definitely understand like the changing as you grow as you get a bit more refined sophisticated right. as, as you grow like your, your taste change so i think yeah. that's one thing that especially when we talk about fragrances i think that's missed out sometimes especially once people say oh i gotta get a new thing i got this good like no like your, your taste change like you what you like now you may not like two three years from now just because you you changed you matured maybe you, you know you stepped up your game and your dress a little bit you want something maybe compliments that a bit more you're moving in separate circles so you know no disrespect to jope and none of those because those are nice fragrances like you know the jope may not you know really work in this office setting here so yeah. I, I i love that aspect about fragrances is being able to move and transition with you throughout whatever you do and we're, we're close in age so i know back then we were grabbing the brutes we yes. were grabbing the old spices. We were we would we would grab the, the old old English um fragrances, you know. And I remember in school what was popular here was the Cubans. The Cuba, uh, those were popular. Guys had that coming out of their pockets every day. Those were they were selling. I mean they still sell now. You know, and then cheap. Yeah, right. Um Perry Ellis was another one that was selling everywhere down here at a time you know and i'm like why are people running down these fragrances everybody's smelling the same no i'm i'm good i'm good exactly. it's all right i'm not no i will go for something else and that for me was a jpg back then but no mm -mm. it had to be a little different you must hit i man i could tell you i have been to events not with my wife with my with the, uh, ex from before and we we were sitting down in a VIP section and an old cool worker saw me. She came, she hugged me, and she's like, oh my God, you always smell so good. And then she turned and saw my girl. She's like, oh, hi, how are you good? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I always, so it's always interesting to me. People don't understand the power of, of fragrances and what it can do. And I always say, after your confidence, the second thing a woman loves to smell on a man is his fragrance. Number yes. one is confidence. Number two is a good fragrance. Yes, yes. So, so gentlemen yeah. out there, a good fragrance. You don't have to, you know, have a whole bunch of bottles, just, you know, good <clears> one <throat> or two, you know, one that really, this is what I say about fragrances. And this is, I'm, sometimes I'm a mood fragrance guy, but yeah. I always want to wear a fragrance that makes me feel like I'm projecting the confidence that I think I am. Correct. Um, it makes me feel good first and foremost. And usually that translates into everybody else's reactions. Now, some, as you know, have better reactions than others. Yeah. But really, you wear it for yourself and how you feel and that like sort of aura of of, of yourself that you want to project. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the things with me with fragrances. I just love that aspect of it. Yeah. And it becomes such a signature that when you're not in the room, that's what people will talk about. They'll be like, yo, this dude always smells good. He's always yes. wearing this. Do you yes. know what he wears? Is it Savage? Is it what? They, that becomes, they're like, hey, when we invite him, we know he's going to be smelling good. We know he might be wearing a bow tie. We know he might be wearing a suit. So right. act accordingly because he's coming. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've definitely encountered that through much of my professional career. <laughs> you see? You see? <laughs>
Dude, like, I get it all the time. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. But that's what we do. That's what we do. Exactly. So I want to talk about some other aspects. Well, I know you do a lot with uh what's the uh digital passport dream flights international as far as your, your luxury concierge you also right. do real estate as well talk to me about those how did you get into those all right so when i started <clears throat> modern currency back then that was in 2013 that was focused around doing personal branding for men because it's unheard of here like everybody's like wait a minute a man does that but they're so used to women doing image management so they weren't men doing anything but because I wanted to project a certain quality. I always portrayed an aesthetic for aspiration, as I like to call it. Always refined, always proper, always gentlemanly. And the people that got attracted to those things started following me online. And then gradually, not gradually, literally one day, a Saturday, I was having lunch. I got a phone call uh, from a gentleman in Las Vegas. All right, and he was like, "Chris, I love what you do. I'm seeing what you. I'm seeing where you're going, and I want you to call this number, tell them I sent you, and to give you a contract." And I'm like, "Okay, no." Lo and behold, that was where I first started chartering jets. Never chartered a jet before in my life. Had no idea who would want to charter a jet for me, right? Because all I'm doing is putting men in suits back in those days. Right. I took up the challenge. I said, "No problem." said yes and figured it out along the way that was all and then the people that flew jets would be like hey well i'm in miami is it possible for you to hook me up with a car i didn't say no i had nobody with cars <laughs> went online made some calls gotta connect with a car then the guy with the car would say well if you have people here coming here from my, in miami are they going to rent a yacht for the weekend i don't know you have yachts I do. Okay. So I added yachts to the roster and it kept building like that. I never planned on starting a concierge. I basically wanted to help men live better, dress better, feel better. And the aesthetics I showed pushed me in that direction. Hmm. So when I got into luxury now and then I started connecting with all these high net high net worth individuals, literally from the US to the UK parts of Europe, like sort of France, um, some guys in Italy, it became where they are moving, they are doing these things and they'll be like, okay, I'm coming down to St. Bart's, I'm coming down to St. Vincent, I, I'm looking for a place for a client in the Caribbean, I'm looking for somebody moving to Canada, do you have any connection to real estate? I would just say yes, I wouldn't say no, I would just take up the challenge and just pick up the phone, make the calls, make the connection. Connect client A with seller B, and that's it. I just became the person in the room that could connect the dots for people. And my network literally grew that way where if anybody was looking for anything from within the luxury industry and not just the, the jet yachts and cars, was if somebody looking for a jeweler, if they're trying to purchase diamonds, if they're trying to bring in gold. Now, I stopped doing those things because I found they got a little too dangerous. Um, if people were looking to purchase art, and you would be surprised. Art is also a very dangerous world as well. Right? Been threatened many times. <laughs> I can tell you. Because the provenance and the history of who own pieces of art and stuff tends to get lost sometimes and people claim a lot of things. And there are people with money, right? Mm -hmm. The people with money that could call other people who mm -hmm. like to get picked, right? Don't have to say it. So, <laughs> so it's a. So it's a it's a interesting world. I tell people it's glamorous, but it's not easy. And then when I started niching down on it, I connected with Dreamflies International. And I first came on just as a strategic alliance partner. I guess used to be, you know, chartering my jets through them. Mm -hmm. And then because of what I helped them build and develop, they say, you know what, we need you on for more than what you do. And that's why I actually got a position as VP of business development with them. And then eventually I made partner with them. So I no longer, I went from chartering jets through them to being actual part of the company. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's why I sit with them. And what we've created recently, especially when the pandemic hit, that you can imagine nobody's flying. Everything is grounded. Right. The hit on the industry is was ridiculous more than 
the news or anybody on the outside will ever know. And we had to find a way to not only keep income or generate revenue, but also protect our clients. So we we moved from what you call an on-demand service. We can just call to charge our jet to memberships because we found that a lot of owners of the jets were now canceling last minute or deciding, well, look, I don't feel like renting out my jet anymore. Right. And then, then we're left scrambling to kind of help the client get their transportation, get their travel. So we said, look, we need to move to a membership base. And we also wanted to create something now coming out of the pandemic because everybody wanted to travel more. And what the pandemic did was showed everybody how short life is. It showed us, you know, everybody thought about the mortality after that and the fact that life is to be lived. So we right. wanted to create experiences for our clients. And that is where the digital passport came into being. Because with that, you don't just get membership, you get access to all the private jet events that we host. Also, you get access to all of the events and experiences that we're associated with. So if you want to go to the, the Grand Prix in Monaco, the Grand Prix in Dubai, you want to go to have a special event down in Art Basel, you want to go to the Yacht Show in Monaco, you want to go to the Film Festival in Cannes, you automatically get tickets to all these events through us as a member, the holder of the digital passport. And then from that as well, what we said, you know what, because these people are going to be attending these events under our name, we want to make sure they dress well as well. So we also have our own Dreamflies International apparel. We are working with an Italian designer called Valenti. He's actually in Houston. And he makes all our suits, all the clothes, men or women. You go, you get your fit tailored, and you go in style to any of the events. So we wanted to make sure we encapsulate that. And I can say that there's nobody else in the aviation industry offering that level of service and value that we give compared. There's nobody else that does it. So we are very, very happy the fact that we are able to now come out of the pandemic, protect our members and provide them additional value. I, I will say that's uh, a, a great pivot, especially in the adversity of the pandemic and the adversity of shutting down and, and really to come out on the other end to have a business model that one wasn't just beneficial for the company and the employees, but also ended up being one that uh, tends to be more beneficial for your clientele as well. Uh, that's uh, really smart thinking. And I, I know it wasn't easy to pivot in that way, especially oh, no. um, from traditional models that essentially have worked for decades, I, I would say in, in that regard. And I'm pretty sure it took a lot of arm twisting but realistically the pandemic and this is one thing i've seen across many sectors while it had devastating effects um economically and it's we're still feeling those effects a lot of businesses came out on the other end with a different perspective of how to serve let me phrase it those that were client focused because mm -hmm. i think real is different some some business we know are very much profit focus so they they forget about the clientele that actually patronizes yeah. them um others are very client focused and are looking more so of how to best serve our clients but also how to make a profit as well and in my opinion i think a lot of those more client focused businesses really were able to find ways not just internally but also work with their clientele to figure out okay how can we make this beneficial for everybody going forward so we you still have your service but we also still have our business and i think that was difficult for many but it has definitely been something to see how many industries have many business that industry but businesses have really become better because of that and really that offering those services to their clientele as well yeah, it, it has been. And I mean, the challenge has been so extreme. The only thing that was flying during the pandemic was um, cargo jets, cargo planes for medical supplies. So most of the commercial planes were gutted and they were outfitted to actually transport medical supplies, stuff for firehouses and these type of things. And I'll give you an example. There was a client that wanted to get a shipment out on a Friday. 
So they had to actually pay their deposit and book by that Friday. They missed the deadline. By Monday, the cost increased by $70,000. Wow. $70,000. Over a weekend. That was to tell you the kind of demand that was out there for cargo planes. They could not sit on it. So more demand, the prices started going up. And even coming out of the pandemic, when places started opening back up, borders were opening and people started flying private again, you would find the same thing that happened. I mentioned where owners would say, you know what? I just don't feel like leasing my jet again today. So imagine us with a client. Imagine you're a client. You want to fly this weekend. Your family, everybody's ready. You booked. Your, your money's already there. And then I come and tell you, hey, this the owner don't want to sell the, to lease the jet anymore. I have to find you another jet. And the jet available for you is bigger and it's going to cost me $30,000 more. The predicament I, as the, the business, have to come back, the embarrassing situation there is coming back to you and saying, I need an additional $30,000. That's a very easy way for you to say no. <laughs> right. Give me back my money. But because we're membership-based now, you actually have your prepaid flight hours already paid for. So even if there's those sort of changes, we can just adjust the hours to suit, to match the jet that you need, and you proceed as usual on your flight. There is no need for me to come back to you and come with the embarrassing situation that I have to find your new jet and it's going to cost you more. Mm -hmm. And that can be the Wednesday or Thursday before you fly to Friday. So it puts us in a very embarrassing situation. So that's why I said we had to be very creative and we had to decide, look, we are not going to do a lot of the traditional things that other aviation companies are doing anymore and switch our model from being on demand to membership. Got you. Um, I think that's, you know, I, we've seen a lot of just companies and services in general switch to membership sort of, or even in this case, subscription-based uh, subscription. models. Yeah, and it seems, you know, depending on the service, I put it that way, because I'm sure we were like, man, I used to be able to just buy this once a year, and now I gotta, I'm got i paying monthly or I'm paying once a year. Yep. There, there are pros and, and, and cons to it as well. So, but Chris, I'm not going to hold you too much longer, but let everybody know where they find you. All right, well, they can find me on social media. I'm the same Mr. Crossley, sir across the board, whether it's Facebook, whether it's IG or Twitter. You can also find me a new initiative I'm working on called the House of Dukes, which will be house.of.dukes. You can find me at that right now on Instagram as well. I'm building out that page at present. Thank you, Chris. Look, we can talk for a while, so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it, man. definitely, man. It's all greatly. Um, thank you very much and take care. I appreciate it. Enjoy this evening. Same here. I had a great time talking with Chris. Now, Chris, like myself, is a blurred, and we definitely get down with the MCU. And as of right now, we have a new MCU series out on Disney Plus, starring the one, the only, Mr. MF himself, Samuel Jackson, back as Nick Fury. And it is none other than the Secret Invasion. And right there at the time of this recording, we've only gotten episodes one and two of this series and I have to say that I don't know the first episode especially with the ending um spoilers in five four three two one killing Maria Hill I was upset about that I was very upset about that however overall I am really enjoying the tenseness of the series the surprises of the series especially with episode two Definitely of the two episodes that are out at the time of this recording, the better of the two episodes from a acting standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint as well. And especially with the end where we reveal that Nick Fury has a wife and again, spoilers, Nick Fury's wife is a scroll and I assumed that he knew. However, after the fact online someone posted does he know and i'm like i never thought about it. he didn't know if he didn't know if his own wife was a scroll the ramifications of that 
is just amazing. And even the exchange with him and Don Cheadle and with that exchange and, and the tenseness of it, I really enjoyed the acting. I feel as though this show, like this show acting wise is some of the best in my opinion. I feel the emotion. I feel the earnest. I feel the pain of Talos. I feel uh, the anger of Gravik, I think his name. I, I'm feeling all the emotions that all of these characters are feeling in this story, in this world. And I understand when everyone is coming from, why everyone is, what everyone's motivation is. And I will say that that's something I got a lot of with uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I got some of that with wandavision i think wandavision toward the end kind of fell off uh with some of the other series they were being good not great uh and okay and again they weren't the same sort of dramatics as the uh secret invasion is i would put this one more so akin to captain america and the winter soldier i'll say that right th this time and also no more captain america and the winter soldier or the falcon and the winter soldier simply because it was a lot of drama there uh, there was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of pain uh, dealing with those issues and the circumstances surrounding that story. Um, and it was different pain in WandaVision. WandaVision was dealing with grief. Uh, so that was different. And I love the how they really portrayed her grief. Um, her story and ending after that, I'm not talking about that because I have problems with that. But overall, I am really enjoying this series. I'm looking forward to seeing how it evolves. And it's only six episodes. So it's four more to go at the time it's recording. So I'm really enjoying this show. And I don't understand why, again, this is one that, critically speaking, has not been garnering as much attention. But I think so far it is one of my favorite Marvel MCU shows. So that's my take on Secret Evasion so far, episodes one. And two, let's get into the fragrance of the week. Now, this one, this one is a, a strange one, an interesting one. I actually was shopping in my local, local grocery store, Lidl to be exact. And I saw this fragrance in Lidl. Lidl is, doesn't, is not known for fragrances. And it was only $4.99. And I looked it up online. And it is an approximation, a dupe, a clone of Dior Sauvage. Now, I'm not a humongous fan of Sauvage. It smells good. I just don't want to wear it because everybody wears it it is such a popular fragrance i like to stand out and smell different i like to smell like me but upon listening to a couple of reviews i saw that at least based on those reviewers it wasn't a bad fragrance especially for the price so for 4.99 i picked it up you know what i got to lose and it is Ghibellini homemade uh, and it's only found at lidl does it is it a one-to-one -one with Dior? No. Is it worth more than the $4.99? Yes. It is strong. It is it has great projection for the price. Everything is a caveat because of the price. Great projection. Amazing sillage. Uh it's one that you don't want to overspray because it is potent. The pepper notes in this are very powerful. I get a lot of pepper, I get uh, citrus, and I get woods with this one. Uh, again, not a one-to-one -one with Dior Sauvage, but it is one that is synthetic, but Dior Sauvage is synthetic as well. Uh, it's one that smells more like Sillage or more like Dior Sauvage on the dry down, not so much the opening and, and sort of the mid notes, but it is one that is good for... You know, if you're just working at the house and don't want to throw anything expensive on or anything like you really like, throw this on. It's a nice gym fragrance as well. Or again, if you don't care what you're wearing, you just want something to smell serviceable. This is one to get. And again, it's a it's a 75 ml bottle. It's $4.99. If it's at your local Lidl, pick it up. What you got to lose? Let me know what you think. So that's my take on G. Bellini fragrances homemade. So now we are into the last portion of the show. How can you support us? Well, first and foremost, you can uh, check out Basil and Sage. Basil and Sage is an excellent subscription box service that features products on a monthly basis from black owned businesses. 
and it is a company that I'm really enjoying the products. I'm enjoying the presentation. They put a lot of quality into their boxes and each box on a monthly basis is 50 bucks, but you get so much more than the value of $50 in a box. Any box can range anywhere from an estimated retail value of 70 to 80 bucks, excuse me, 70 to 100 bucks, depending on the merchandise there. But you definitely want to get your money's worth when it comes if you purchase each one of those items individually. And if you act right now, you can get a discount off your first box. Type in the code WebsterStyle10 at checkout uh speaking of discounts i love pete and pedro i love their fragrances i own um villain and i've tried many of their other fragrances while they have a lot more than fragrances the fragrances are some of the best values for your money in my opinion at 50 bucks for 50 ml bottles of fragrances that are inspired by some of the leading fragrances on the market they all have great projection great longevity and they just smell really good Check them out, Pete and Pedro. Use the code EHawks10 or the link in the show notes for 10% off your first purchase. Join us on Patreon. Become a producer at the $1, $3, and $5 levels for behind-the-scenes shout-outs as well as Patreon-only material as well. And then, of course, if you're tired of regular energy drinks, I advise you check out Dubby. Uh, you can get 10% off your first purchase with the code WebSaman or the link in the show notes. Of course, I'm all the way around the internet, so you can find me over at New York to Rule the World, Nerds Rule the World, Nerds Rule the World, New Release Wednesday, however you want to put it, however you find it. Um, the NLW Checkpoint with my man Brian Sav talking about the latest and greatest in video game releases every given week. And then also, I'm back again with my man, the legend Kuya P and the voiceover king Sean Mongold uh, talking wrestling, uh, whether it's Impact, ROH, um, AEW, WWE. We talking about the square circle on Baby, baby. The NRW Ring Generals podcast every week. So check us out over there. You can also check me out on social media Instagram, Webster Style, and Satorio and Geek. Twitter, Webster Style, and then TikTok, underscore Webster Style. And of course, you can always find all those things on WebsterStyle.com. Drop an email if you're so inclined. Info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. And thank you again for your time. Thank you for your listening ear. Remember, stay safe out there and be blessed. Tuesday had to be bow tie Thursday. Had to be white Wednesday. Uh, I don't. Well, I know last time. Well, I wore polka dot. You didn't wear. Oh, Miss Million, them heels killing them. But I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bow tie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels looking sharp. Bay acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday? Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the wrist game for it. Now you got the floor filled with bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match the very corset. Smoking hot, rocking this pen so thin. Tie hairline, looking like a stencil pen. No lie, I'm sharper than a utensil. And stroke mental, plain dang homie. I was hoping we could walk out with that bang bang honey. See them plain James honey, them lame friends funny. We tell it, fit it crazy like I think came on me. Hey, mommy. 
percolating main thing with me on the scene fit popping like a main vein running blood color lips smashing with the hand clutch money holding back kind of funny can you tell me what's the price i got the range rover hang on me when we walking looking gucci like that thing sprayed on me walking with a limp like an ankle sprang on me yeah i rocked the cardigan she don't really want me because one man should have all that style Oh, you wanted to? Oh, I completely read that wrong.